listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. For the past several weeks, we have been talking about the top relationships in our life, the five big ones. And and those are, if you have missed any part of the series, your relationship with God and your spouse, if you're married, your kids, your relationship with your church or the ministry God put in your life, and then the relationship with your your career, your job, perhaps your employer, even in a direct way. And so as I was praying about today's message, uh, I thought the series was going to go a different direction. In fact, in a five-week month, I thought I was going to take each one of those one at a time and talk about your relationship with your spouse and then your kids. and then. But the Lord had different plans. And how many of y'all believe that pastors should be hearing from God about his messages, right? And so I don't want to be just like dedicated to our plan and our scheduling. That's great. We can schedule. God gave us a brain. But I want to, I want to bring you a message that I believe is from the heart of God today. Uh, when our five relationships are in order, there's, there's harmony and peace. But a question bubbled up in my heart this week. What happens when there's conflict? The best relationships face conflict, even, even the closest people together. And, and there is a way, there's a protocol to go by where you can navigate conflict really well. Today, I'm going to give you some principles, some, some practical things that you can do, but I'm going to pair that at the end. I'm going to transition. And at the end, I'm going to give you, yeah, a godly truth, but I believe that with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, I think that it's going to unlock some things. I think that God's going to move in ministry today, and, and it's going to have some healing in our hearts. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Uh, so several years ago, uh, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, it was 2017, nonetheless, uh, we were building out this facility. So we had purchased this. This was the Rite Aid and a couple of strip malls. There was an insurance company and a dance studio. And, and way down at the end, there was a school teaching people to be nurses' assistants. And so we had to white box all of this. Well, the catch was we didn't get in until the very last days of June, and we needed to move in on Labor Day weekend. So that whole summer, it was a 12-month job, and we got it done in two months. It was just it was crazy, and, and we made it feel pretty much like it does today. Well, it was an exhausting summer, a ton of work, and a lot of sweat equity from the church went into building all of this out. Well, we were able to buy some things to outfit this building, and when I say some things, it's kind of like when you're like a newlywed couple, you know, you go to Ikea. Well, we did that too, and so we went to Ikea, and the things that we could put together with like a little ratchet, like we, those are the furnishings that we got from the church, and, and we were putting those things together, but a lot of the things that we were going to have to furnish our brand new church building, it was going to have to be things from our mobile setup. So New Chapel was, was a mobile church for four years, and so I'm driving this big old Jeep and I've got our 24-foot trailer and closed trailer behind us. And this was back in the day where it had our logo on the side, New Chapel, we're the church for new life. You know, and I'm driving that thing down the road. So I'm getting off 96 onto Alpine. And if you've never navigated that area, it, it's treacherous, okay? So you've got to get over right away, and people will fight you to get over, okay? If you don't get over, you're going to the old golf course. Any old people in the house you know what I'm talking about? You're going to Target, you're going to Hobby Lobby. We don't go to Target, we go to sanctified stores like Hobby Lobby. But you're going down that way and, and, and you're gonna miss your turn. It's a whole thing and I've got this trailer. And so I'm pulling off and, and if you've ever driven with me, you know I don't speed, I'm efficient. It's, there's a difference. 
And I think a lot of it just has to do with elegance. But anyway, so I'm pulling off and I've got to get over. And this guy is like a hornet. He's on my hind end. He's just buzzing. He's zipping on me. And I'm like, ah. And so I'm trying to turn and get over. And I'm like, forget it. I'm going to let him over. Well, just when I'm going to go over, he was going to pass me on the right. Party foul, okay? So I'm, I'm over them like, ah, dude's behind me. And so like, I try to get over again. Well, I ended up like in the lane where I can go straight. I'm not going to have to turn. And the lane next to us is filled up with people. And my man is so upset. He's speaking to me in a dialect of sign language that I don't know. <laughs> and he's yelling. And I, you know, you can tell if somebody's just going like, you know, or if they're screaming. I mean, this guy's veins were popping. He's screaming. He's like, come on, come on. And I'm telling you, I wasn't always saved. I put that Jeep in, in park. I straight up got out the Jeep. I am storming towards my man. The light is turning green. He is turning white. He is looking at me like, oh, Lord. And, and so he like, he pulls out. He was so close. He had a backup. He pulls over and he zips off. And I'm like, come on, come on. I'm, I don't know what I thought I was going to do. Dot the guy in the eyes or whatever. And all of a sudden, I became aware of the billboard for New Chapel behind me. People are going by. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> We're the church for new life, you know. <laughs> and point one, we need to respond, not react. <laughs> we need to respond, not react. That day I reacted. If there is one on this list that I need, it's this one, because I'm a reactor. I'm quick to give my opinion, to express my feeling, my thoughts about things, sometimes way too fast. It's one thing if you're ill and you go to the doctor, you say, hey, doc, I need a script, and he writes you up and says, hey, I want you to come back. You come back the next day and you say, hey, this is great. You're responding really well to the medicine. It's another thing if you go back and he says, ooh, we got a reaction. We want to respond to the issues of life. We want to respond in conflict. We don't want you to be weak. We want you to, want you to engage in conflict. But listen, we want you to respond and not react. Well, Pastor Joe, you don't know my marriage. I have every right to say what I've said. You don't know, you don't know my workplace. I have every right. Listen to me, sir. It's not godly. It's not okay. We have to let that part go. The Bible says that a harsh word it brings out anger. The Bible says that we need to be slow to speak. Say amen, somebody. If you want to keep your relationships, slow down a little bit. Slow down. Don't say everything that comes into your mind. Instead of reacting, respond. I can hear my dad. Maybe you had a, a grandfather or a dad that was constantly giving you wisdom or quotes, but I can hear my dad say, hey, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% your response to what happens to you. Our response matters. Say amen, somebody. Now, did you know that we are not just called to follow Jesus? We're called to become like Jesus. The Apostle Paul prayed, and we have a record of it in Scripture, and he, he said, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm groaning. I've got this angst over the whole process. I'm praying that Christ would become fully developed in you. So God doesn't want you just to follow Jesus. He wants you to become just like uh, Jesus, get the life of God in you. And the goal is that Jesus would become part of your very nature. And here's why I say that. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. He trusted himself to God. Jesus took punishment for something that he had never done. 
It's so unjust. And while they're putting nails through his hands, he has nothing but forgiveness. He doesn't go at them. He goes after him. He goes after his God. I'm not going to try to get even. I'm going to run to my God for the healing of my own heart. And so reactions, you're going to find out that in relationships, they'll cost you a lot of relational equity. Dads, sometimes when things go south, it's not best to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Your gut reaction probably isn't right. If you're a blue-blooded American like me, you got to go walk sometimes. you got to take a breath. I need to come back to this and be a little bit more cool, calm, and collected. Because the things that you might say in the heat of the moment might be too much. doesn't mean you're evil. means you're a solid dude. You sound like 95% of the people that attend New Chapel. But you have to have some control on that. Because how you feel doesn't mean that it's right. We all know that. And we don't want to do damage on our kids. Some of us, we need to wait before we hit send on the email. You get an email and it makes you upset. And I'm telling you, I mean, if Luther was alive, you've got a 29 thesis that you sent out like, but basically what you do is you threw up into a computer and went, pow, take that. You know, I wish some of you, because we're Facebook friends and you forgot. I wish some of you had a little governor on your post button that made you wait 24 hours. 24 hours later, like, hey, you sure you wanted to insult them? You know, I mean, just like, I wish. And why? Because we need to have a response not a reaction. And some of the vile things that we say, it's not becoming of a Christian. Romans says it this way, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this is telling me you can have a response. You can have it, but the response can be in such a way that you respond to the evil and it actually changes things, not just makes a point. So you can be right or you can be influential. Sometimes you can't have both. Second thing, jot this down. We need to focus on the good, not the bad. The good, not the bad. Uh, within every person, you can find something good. And within every person, you can find something bad. It's human nature. We want to keep lists of the good stuff. Oh, I like that guy. Or, or lists of the bad. The Bible calls it uh, a list of rights and wrongs. But what if you just... What if you just left your right, so to speak, to have your list of the wrongs? We know what you don't like about the person. What do you like about the person? What's right? Not your rights. What's right about them in your life? Can you make a list of that? Uh, married people only. I want to take an unscientific poll. Uh, lift your hand if you're married and you married your opposite. Go ahead and lift your hand. Okay, all of us. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there were several guys I'm looking at and they're just looking forward peacefully. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, just very nice. Uh, when you're dating, opposites attract. When you're married, opposites attack. It's totally different on the other end of that covenant. I'm sick of that. <laughs> Why do you breathe like James Gandolfini when you have spaghetti? Why are you, do <laughs> Why are you doing that? Why why do you make that sound? I don't know why you make that sound. You, when, when you were dating, you're like, oh, that little sound, you're like a little chipmunk. You know? Now they make the sound, you're like, that's gross. You know, it's just, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Kai and I are total opposites. We're total opposites altogether. Uh, when she's introverted, I'm extroverted. When I feel introverted, she's extroverted. Uh, extroverted. When, when I feel like um, I'm hot, Kaya feels cold. When, when I feel like I'm cold, Kaya feels hot. Uh, when I'm feeling like, hey, we need to spend some money, Kaya's like, we should save that money. When, when uh, I'm like, hey, we got to spank the kids, just all of them, spank them. And she'd be like, I feel like we're supposed to give them grace. We're opposites. 
on all of that stuff. Like, like I'm fast, she's slow. Kaya wants to stop and smell the roses. I done ran over those roses. I have an agenda of things that I need to do. We're the opposite. But when we fixate on the things that we're different about or the things that irk you, it stings. Now listen, you're going to have to be a long time into marriage, at least a couple days before it starts to really affect you. But, okay, so I like to eat. Kaya does not like to cook. Okay? I grew up in a family where we had big Italian meals, big. We're all eating and smiling and enjoying our life. Kaya, when they'd say, hey, it's dinner time, everybody ran to the car, okay? Because they're going to go to the Applebee's in Standalay. Ain't right, ain't right. Not looking at the front row right now on purpose. <laughs> the other day, I think it was this past week, it was 6 o'clock, Kaya and I were having a great conversation. I was like, hey, babe, what's for dinner? And Kaya looks at me like, oh, yeah. I love you, you know? And so, <laughs> what do you do? Do you fume? Do you get yourself upset? I've been married long enough, and I know enough about God. I'm close enough to God. I don't want to die on that hill. So I can emphasize all the things that we're different about, or I can emphasize the things that are really good in our life. Let me tell you some of the good things about Kaya. Kaya really cares. In fact, if she's talking to you, it's because she cares and she's a great listener. Kaya homeschools our kids, which should make, I don't know, a million dollars a year because it's a lot, right? Kaya cares. She makes sure all of the kids are well-furnished. She makes sure that I'm well-furnished and dressed well, and the kids' hair is all come. Kaya really cares. She gets up early, and she prays for our family. Kaya spends time. Kaya loves deeply. And if I forget all of those things because we're having spaghetti that night, and I'm getting irked about some random thing, you can make a mountain out of a molehill and you miss all of the good that's happening. God doesn't want you to die on that hill. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to work on our little issues or our little things and become better and meet the needs of our spouse. Kaya has grown. I have grown. Kaya's a great cook today. The last several years, I mean, she should come out with a cookbook. It's so good. But we've grown in that way. But here's what I'm saying. Even, even back then, so to speak, you can emphasize the good that is happening. I'm saying that even when things are frayed, you can bring out the best. You can think on the good things. Billy Graham's wife, uh, Ruth Graham Bell, she was asked, she said, doesn't it bother you that your husband is gone for 17 weeks at a time on these evangelical uh, crusades that he has all around? And she responded back. It was seven months out of the year that he was gone. She responded back, five months with Billy Graham is so much better than 12 months with any other man. I thought that was very sweet, but I also thought about it. She surely didn't feel that way day one. You don't think that that affected her in some way, but what did she do? Spiritual maturity said, eventually, I'm going to emphasize the good. I have a good man here. And, and yes, our family has to have a sacrifice because we're called to do this. But at the end of the day, God has been good to me, and I'm going to emphasize the good that's in my life. She thought about the good thing. Well, Pastor, how do I do that? I'll tell you. What do we do? It's Philippians 4. You need to think about the things that are true. A lot of fake things are going to pop up in your mind when you get upset. You've got to think about the things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, the Bible says think about that stuff. Think about the good. Emphasize the good. I'm going to think about the good things, not the bad. Not the things that I hate, even though that there's things that irk me. There's things that irk you. They're there. But don't emphasize those things. Emphasize the good things. That passage, by the way, goes on. In Philippians, it says that the peace of God 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's peace there, ma'am. There's peace there, sir. That when you begin to think and emphasize the good things on the other end of that, there's your resolve, but you have a vote in it. It doesn't just fall in your lap like ripe cherries. It's something that you have to engage in in your life. Well, Pastor Joe, there's things that they're just not good at. He's not good at this. She's not good at that. My kids aren't good at whatever. The boss is so frustrating. You can, you can emphasize the negative or you can speak life over the relationship. And I found the more you emphasize the good, the more some of the things that irk you just change incidentally. Amen, somebody? Okay, here we go. So we're going to respond slowly. We're going to focus on the good, not the bad, and then write it down. We're going to talk. We're not going to walk. When it's tough, we're not going to leave. So Kai and I, like, we're in this thing. We're not giving up on each other. We ain't going nowhere. And I've realized as I've gotten older, like, we ought to just settle this little tiff right now because we ain't going to be splitting up. We're not going to be saying that D word. You start bringing up that D word, wash it out of your mouth. Party foul. We're not talking that way. I'm not giving up. In fact, if Kaya leaves me, I'm going with her. You know those memes out there that are like, make yourself ungovernable. Well, check that out. <laughs> Kids take care of themselves. I don't know what they're going to do. But when it's tough, I ain't going to leave. When all the good feelings have gone, there's going to be conflict. And that's okay. You're going to have skips. The best relationships are going to have a little bit of fussing along the way. Now, I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we avoid conflict. Some of you, and that's a whole other sermon for another day, you avoid conflict. You let it stack up in your life. You let it pile. And so you end up having this big relational beef, but it's not really big in and of itself. It's made of a lot of little things. It was something small. It was this little relational issue. It was like a weed. You could have just plucked it with your fingers. But the Bible says that unforgiveness creates a root of bitterness in your heart, a root. So, so what was a weed of, of disagreement and conflict, now it's an oak tree. You're calling up the church. You're like, Pastor, I need help. I got issues. I've, God, heal my heart. I've got this thing, and it won't let me go. And it's, it's because you let issues stack up. I'm saying we have to deal with our issues, but the way that we deal with them matters. The Bible gives us a remedy. Here it is, Ephesians 4. Do not, just like not even optional, like don't do it. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. What's that saying? Pastor Joe says that we need to solve all of our problems uh, every day. No, it's not. In fact, some of you have outstanding issues, and you can't solve all of your problems in one day. That's a very simplistic reading of that passage. What it is saying is you can deal with your anger and your fury. And if you don't, what happens? I mean, you're going to go to bed with that, and the Bible says you give a foothold to your enemy, that he has an in in your life. And so it might be a big old blow up and you might be very passionate about it. And so might the other person be passionate, but you have to go and say, Hey, listen, at the end of the day, I'm committed to this relationship. I'm going to see it through. So what, what I'm going to do is say this, I love you, you knucklehead, but, but, but I love you. And so what we need to do is we need to say, Hey, we're going to get through this. Maybe even talking right now is a bad idea but we can let the, the wrath go. And when that sun goes down, in other words, when that day expires, you can approach it again another day. If you can solve the problem one day, awesome. And many and most you can, some you can't. 
Don't be imprisoned by that passage. Be freed by that passage. Let the anger, let the wrath, let the malice, let it go and find peace in your God. So we're going to respond slowly. We're going to focus on the good, not the bad, and we're not going to live angry. This is what good relationships do. This is true. Now, I want to transition in this sermon because there's a lot we can glean from our little check marks. There's a lot we can glean from writing down things, and there's theological principle, there's cerebral things that will unlock a lot in your life. But a lot of Christianity is, I was once blind, and now I see. It's, it's how do I put it? It's experiencing him. It's experiencing the presence and the power of God, not just a checklist. A checklist can do a lot. God's word can unlock a lot. But there's something about when the Holy Spirit unlocks things in our heart. So today can be that. So here's what I'm asking. Don't just learn this with me. Experience this with me. Now, to teach this, I'm going to take you, typical Pastor Joe style, to one of the most abstract verses to start this journey. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 1 says this, Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. Sorry, sorry. You're dating yourself, by the way. (laughs) To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. And it goes on for a long time. You should read it. And then it says this. A time to cast away stones. Time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones. If you read verses 1 through 4, you're like, that makes sense. Time to be born, time to die. You go through all these things, war, peace, right? Time to (laughs) cast stones and get, and it kind of goes over our head. But in Bible times, they got it. Let me tell you why. A stone, casting stones. Stones were used to inflict pain on somebody who you had the right to execute. You had every right to take care of them. So in, in that culture, when they heard about that, there's a time to cast some stones and there's time to gather them. They're like, okay, you know, gospel of Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them. You know, like that. they're hearing like they get it. So the stone represents, I have a beef. I have an issue. There's a conflict that we have to settle. And the Bible says, clearly, there's a time to do that. But then, or you could gather stones. You can go throw it and you can hurt them, which by the way, just hurts you at the same time. Or what you can do is you can gather them together and you could build an altar before the Lord and maybe God could change you. This concept is crystallized in Genesis chapter 31. So the story is about Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Jacob gets the hots for this girl. Uh, Her dad's name is Laban. Laban is a dirt bag. He's an awful dad. He's really an awful businessman, has a bad reputation, but he's got a cute daughter. And so Jacob like works to get that daughter. And and, uh, on the wedding night, he had to work seven years to earn her. I mean, this is Laban. What a winner, right? And so he gets to marry who he thinks is going to be this babe. And he wakes up in the morning. She's got a crooked nose. He's like, oh, no. It's her sister. (laughs) And so he goes back, and Laban's like, yeah, look, uh, under the code of Madarahi, I'm going to marry off my oldest one first, and she ain't a beaut. But but if you want that other one, you can marry her too under the same law. Oh, my gosh. So he has to work seven more years, gets married. And and this has gone to be a long process. Jacob is honoring his father-in-law, but he's working for 20 years under false pretense. He's, he's having his wages changed 10 different times. And think about this. This is affecting his daughters and his grandchildren. And it's a bad deal. Jacob always 
is honoring. He gives Laban the best of his herd, and he, uh, he's honoring him uh, by giving him the strong animals. And God, in turn, continually blesses Jacob for honoring his father-in-law, even though he's a dirtbag. And there's a whole sermon that's involved in that. I, I can't go into it today. So as Jacob is doing this, uh, it finally gets so toxic that he's like, I got to go. So I could react, and I could blow up, and I could say things to Laban that just would not be right. Or I can respond. I'm, I'm going to get my family together and I'm going to go. Now, all of the blessing that God brought into Jacob's life, it made Laban resent. It made Laban resent his own son-in-law. So Jacob's getting ready to leave, and Laban resents the success of Jacob. I will say this. There are some people in your life that won't be happy just because you're doing well. It'd be okay if they got a raise. It'd be okay if they won the lottery. But if you got blessed, somehow you got, came about it in the wrong way. And if you start taking ground and your family starts doing well and you get a nice house, you start to get blessed, they'll look at you and, and they will be against you. Not even just not happy for you. They'll be against you just because you're successful. And what I've learned is this. Never apologize for the blessing of God on your life. If God blesses you, you thank Him for it and move on. But there'll be some people, you just have to ignore them. Okay, so, so Jacob gets up, he takes his family and his stuff and all of his flocks, and he takes off. And the next day, Laban finds out about it, and he is upset. He starts off, and it's this old-school chase scene. Just imagine it, okay? And he's chasing his son-in-law and the family. He's trying to get after him. He's like, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring terror. I'm going to destroy that guy. And so he's tracking him. And, and just when he thinks he's the night before encountering him, he thinks he's that close, he sets up camp the night before, and the angel of the Lord appears to Laban. Laban's supposed to know God, even though the way that he's acting. God's Spirit speaks to Laban, and I believe that God's Spirit might even be speaking to some of the people in the sound of my voice right now. Here's what the angel says. Do not do what you're planning to do. Some of you in here need to hear that. You're plotting, you're scheming, you got your little plan, you got your suitcase packed, you're imagining a different life, you're imagining the escape, you want to hit the easy button and get out. You listen to me. God has you here for a reason, and I am here to be in your face. I have a license to do this and interrupt this moment. Do not do what you're planning to do. Don't do it. You think it's going to make you happy. Stop hitting the reset button on your life. What you think is over there, the grass is greener, it is well fertilized. You're going to have to wade through more crap. Do not do what you're planning to do. Amen. So if that ministers to you, let it hit. And I'm not trying to force something. I know I'm all over somebody's feet right now, but you listen to me. Don't do it, sir. Don't, don't do it. You're going to give up your whole life, the respect to your children. You're going to give up everything for nothing. Nothing. So, so God's spirit, the angel says, do not do what you're planning to do. He says, instead, you go and you reconcile. You walk. You go find him, but when you do it, you go make it right. So in Genesis 31, Laban finds Jacob, and Jacob's looking at him like, oh my gosh, here comes this dude again. Come on, hornet's nest. Let's fight. That's what I want to do. I left because I wanted to get out of the fight. Here's the fight coming to me. And you know what that feels like when that number pops up on your phone? You know what that's like when you run across them at Myers? You're like, oh gosh, here comes the fight. So Jacob sees the fight. Genesis 31, here we go. Laban says this. He says, come now. Like, in other words, stop, stop, stop. It's not what you think. Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. In other words, I'm not done with us. I might have messed up us. I might have made it toxic between us. 
but I want to make it right. Let's make a covenant. So Jacob took a stone. And can you imagine with your holy imagination, that stone represents the hurt. I got every right to clobber this joker. I want to take this thing and knock him back to the future. The last thing he'll see is Marty McFly smiling at him. I want to hit him. I want to hit him. It hurts. And we laugh, but sometimes we laugh because it hurts. Because it's like, ah. You took years of my life. You took joy. You took my money that I was going to use for that. My kids needed that. You took food out of their mouth. And you got that rock and it hurts and it's wrong. And you're justified in all of it. And Jacob takes the stone, but he sets it up as a pillar. I'll explain in a minute. He says to his family, he says, hey, look, I know you have a beef with grandpa too. I know he done messed it all up, but you gather your stones. You get your beef, you get your issue. So they all took stones and they piled them in a heap. In other words, there's a lot of problems. The Bible is validating your issues. It's not saying that it was right what they did. It's not saying that it was okay. It's saying it was a heap. But here's the reality. Here's what your God knows that you might not. All those stones, you think you can carry those around? They will crush you before you ever get in the first blow. You think that flinging stones at people is easy. It's a hard life. And so they're in a heap. God's validating. There's a lot of stuff we had to deal with. And then they ate there by the heap. When Christians don't know what they do, they eat. (laughs) No, no, this is actually the sign of the sealing of a covenant. It's saying, whatever I felt about you, all is well. We could be at Thanksgiving together. I can eat this in your presence. We're going to have a meal. We're going to seal this. Doesn't mean I have to ever talk to you again, but we're going to have a meal. We're going to make peace here at this spot. Look at that. He is taking the stone and instead, in the Old Testament, here's what it means. It either means death penalty or it means that you build an altar. You build this altar so that you can meet with God there. So that God can do, here it is, what only he can do. And he can heal your heart from that unforgiveness. For some of you, the person that wronged you has been dead for years. They can't come back and apologize. And they wouldn't if they could. But God can heal your heart. You can get that unforgiveness out of your existence, and it might be a heap of a problem, but there's freedom in the house. Amen, somebody? Three quick thoughts about this. Number one, jot this down. How do we do this? You better own up to you. You you better own up to your fault. So, Pastor Joe, they did did it to me. They're, they're, They're mainly at fault. If you look carefully at that pile, there's a stone there with your name on it. At least something. It's a stone there with my name on it. You know what helps to be able to come to the table and deal with some of these things is the fact that I know that there's some stones in that pile that have Joe Bevilacqua written right on it. I got my own problems. And so, well, all I did was 1%. Look, great. Only own up to your 1%. You don't have to lie. You don't have to uh, be passive and admit to something that wasn't true. Don't lie, but own up to your faults. What did you do wrong? Take 100% ownership over that. Pastor, it's so hard to forgive them. You don't know what they did. You will never have to forgive anyone more than your heavenly father has forgiven you. How do we forgive? Yeah, absolutely. How do we do it? You can't. You can't even do it within yourself. You have to trust God to forgive that person. Romans 3 puts it this way. All have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can I put it this way? We all got a rock in the pile doesn't matter if you're the primary victim. You just own up to your part and then validate. So number two, here it is. You have to waive your rights to retaliate. I, I forgo my right to make this right. 
I'm not talking about countries. I'm not talking about war. I'm not talking about defending yourself. I've told my kids, if somebody comes up to you and they want to start a fight with you and they pop off one on your chin, I told Arreo, I said, you go to that boy and you hit him as hard as you possibly can. Men, you in the room? Say amen. We don't start fights, but we'll end all of them. And we're not doing this for our right to retaliate. We're doing it to stop it. Make sense? So I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you don't defend yourself. I'm saying somebody did you wrong, and you want to get them. I wanna, I, I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm going to make this thing right. I have a right. Has our litigious society affected the soul of the Christian church in America? All of your rights that you want to list up. Well, it's not fair. Maybe fair is not the route you want to go in. Maybe that's not the currency of this transaction. You know what fair is? You pay for your own sins. That's fair. Romans 12, do not take revenge. Oh my gosh, I need this on a wall somewhere. Do not take revenge, my friend, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, saith the Lord. So you think that God is is just aloof to your problems. He's a father. He's far more loyal than you give him credit for. He cares. But when you try to go and you try to make it right, and I'm going to make it even, I'm going to, listen, you're going to mess the whole thing up. God can go and, and he can bring that little vengeance on that person. Well, who's he going to have do that? He has the perfect people to do that. They're called sinners. They know how to really get them. <laughs> Say Amen. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't you go do it. Say, God, what they did hurt so bad, and it took so much. I give it, I cast, I cast my care on you, for you care for me. Say amen, somebody. So they, we, we got the principal side, the theology, but listen, we need the power side. Amen? Number three, here we go. Last point. I'm going to give the grace, and it's the grace. Same, same stuff I need. So I'm going to give them grace because I need it. Grace ain't fair. as bad English and it's good preaching. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is saying, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. And I know it. But I'm still going to give it to you. And, and this one, I'll tell you guys, it motivates me more than most. You're looking at a very imperfect person. I don't have the pedigree to do this. I don't have some grand Christian heritage of ministers. You're looking at somebody who is so messed up, I cannot believe that I stand in front of you every single week. How do you do it? I received the grace of God, and so I have no problem giving the grace of God. I wish that you could have told me years ago, though, that I could do that and find freedom. I wish that you could have gone back to a younger version of me and say, hey, listen, let them go. You got bigger fish to fry. You go after this. Listen, the, the dogs bark, but the train goes rumbling by. Let it go. I wish somebody would have done that, and here's why. You'll be shocked at the freedom that you receive. When you get that unforgiveness out of your heart, you'll be shocked at the freedom that's on the other end of all of that. You think you're going to hold something over their head or have your list of rights or whatever. No, no, no. Listen, you, you forgive them. Here's what actually happens. There's freedom on the other end of that decision. How do we love somebody who's unlovable? First John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. 
Now in Western Michigan, we read that with moral lens. We read that and say, we're supposed to love people because he loved us first. Sposta, which is a Western Michigan word. I think it's high Dutch or something. Sposta. Might be your last name. Get rid of your spolstas for a second and receive God's love. And then you can love people who are awful. Receive God's love and you're not going to have this edge where you have to make it right yourself and execute vengeance on people. It's going to take supernatural love to forgive some of the offenses that were done against you, but you can do it in the power of God. Don't throw rocks. Use those rocks and you build an altar. Why? Because God's there. There's freedom on the other end of it. Heads bowed and eyes closed in the presence of God. God is speaking to his kids right now. God is ministering to his family. Some of you were ridiculed by, by a loud voice in your life. Some of you were taken advantage of in business. Some of you, somebody didn't hold their fidelity in your marriage. And it put a chip on your shoulder and, and there's a trust thing and, and, and it's affecting the current relationship that you're in. Or maybe you're in here and you're living out of the judgment somebody else heaped on you and they took advantage of you. And they were supposed to be like Laban. You're supposed to be my father-in-law. You're supposed to be taking care of me. And yet they were the person that submitted you to pain. God is here. You might have every right to fling your stone. But in many cases, you're flinging that stone over and over and over again. And what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. We know the place of your pain. You talk about it all the time. In many cases, I, I just want to raise this up before God and say, you could be healed. You'd be surprised at the freedom on the other end of this, but you're going to need God's help. Because the just thing would be that he made it right. Some of you, man, one in particular, you did something so heinous, you'd let everyone else off the hook, but you don't let yourself off the hook. You're in the room right now. You just said, I hate myself within, within your own self. You said that. You listen to me. If God forgave you, you have no right to hate you. You have no right to hold unforgiveness against you. You might be in here and you were the victim. You were taken advantage of. God wants you to release that junk. You can't carry it through life. Spiritually, it looks like you're dragging boulders into every relationship. And you don't see how it's affecting everything, but it is. But today you can be free. So I, I, can't, I can't make you stand up or lift your hands. Maybe let's all put our, our hands on our, our lap, on our knees, with our palm up, just in a posture, everybody, of receiving from God. We, we never do this. Just humor me. Do, put your hands on your lap. Open. God, I receive. Heavenly Father, before you today are people that were taken advantage of, that were ridiculed, that were lied about. God, people that were wronged, people that were hated, people that were maligned, people that were stolen from. And God, if they're holding on to anything right now, they don't want it. So right here spiritually, they're letting that rock drop right off their hand. God, right now, we make the decision to forgive intellectually. Help us with the heart part. 
God, help us to release those people that hurt us and damaged us and said those things. Oh God, we, he- we cast our care on you because you care. And God, I pray for healing and freedom and deliverance in this place. God, I pray for clarity of mind. Some people have been distracted for decades. God, I pray for clarity in their mind. God, I pray for reconciliation. As as much as it depends on them to live peaceably, God, I pray for peace in relationships right now. I pray for breakthrough in Jesus' mighty name. They receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Just camp out here for a minute. God's speaking to some of you, and he's been speaking, but you couldn't hear a word because of that unforgiveness. He's speaking to some people in the room. Just listen to God. Let him do what a preacher can't do. Oh, God, have your way. Heavenly Father, I know that there's people in the sound of my voice who made some things right, but there's also people who need their life right with you. Help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. If you came in here and you don't know God, your life's not right with God. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That relationship that you can have through Jesus with God is so strong, it'll carry you through eternity. You'll you'll have heaven when you die. You'll avoid a burning, Christless hell. But in the same breath, I will tell you, That when you make Jesus Lord of your life, it can affect your life today. The Bible term is being born again. In other words, God's life can rush into your being today. doesn't mean all your problems are solved, but it means you'll have the promise to get through anything, and you'll have peace that passes understanding. If that's you, I want to pray. Now, church, pray it with those people who are praying this for the first time. Pray it out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I could be forgiven. You raised Jesus from the dead. I believe it. I say Jesus is Lord. I surrender my heart. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. Thank you for taking my stones and giving me healing. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God praise. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Lift your hand for the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.